0: Hello and welcome again to another episode of our program, Develop. It's an absolute honor and privilege to have you with us as we continue our exploration of a series entitled The Ministry of Discipleship. And we mentioned that discipleship is really the core of Christianity. Jesus, when he called his disciples, he called them to a way of life. He called them to be a specific type of people in the world, and that is Christianity. It's not about theological understanding or uh, activities in a particular religious environment. It's about being a specific type of person, and throughout all ages, Christians of all types and, and, and all convictions realize that to be a Christ follower is exactly that, is to follow Christ and to grow to be more like Him every day in every different circumstance of life. And over the past couple of times, we mentioned that uh, there are some half-truths uh, that prevent us and hinder us from actually becoming the type of people that grow to live out this amazing lofty vision of being like Jesus in the world. And we mentioned that those uh, uh, half-truths uh, relate to some sort of theology that were received over a period of time relating to the concept of the gospel uh, being just a, a once-off type of, of activity, a transaction uh, and then we spoke about uh, the idea of grace uh, being uh, conceived or misconceived as a matter of uh, receiving God's favor, and it's almost like it's anti-effort. And today we're going to look at the last of those uh, ideas, and it's the idea of growth being optional. Somehow, uh, in our, uh, in unintentionally, I'm sure, in our. Attempt to encourage people to come to know Jesus. We say, you know, you once come to know Jesus and that's really about it. You know, God looks after everything and we we, uh, embrace the concept that we need to let God and let go. And that has created an environment where people have struggled to grow. In fact, in one of the uh, research conducted uh, by a prominent church uh, in America uh, produced uh, a report called the Reveal Project and they uh, uh, documented that twenty five percent of uh, born again Christians consider themselves either stale or stagnant and not growing that's twenty five percent of genuine Christians who are struggling to grow and you wonder why is that uh, a reality in our midst maybe something that you've observed maybe even you observe it in the mirror we begin life with Jesus with utter enthusiasm, a desire to grow and become everything that God wants us to be and designed us to be, yet we somehow stumble and struggle and at times deteriorate and we don't grow. And I would like to propose to you that some of the ways we perceived Christianity and some of the way we conceived growth as optional actually contradicts the biblical view that we have of our full experience of salvation. You see, there are three primary concepts that I would like to share with you today uh, that would give you evidence that growth is not optional. Growth is not optional. And the first one is that fruit not just receiving the seed but fruit of the seed actually is the proof of saving faith germination is what you know we say, you know, we receive Jesus in our hearts and and some of us have made that emotional decision without repentance or, or maybe we made that decision without actually allowing the Holy Spirit to regenerate us. It was more like another activity or another um, type of, uh, you know, Christian participation in a service where we went up the front and we raised the hand and asked someone to pray for us without a full understanding that when we receive Jesus, we receive a divine life. We receive a DNA that ought not only to change our eternal address, but our earthly way of living. That Jesus in the parable of parables of the sower explained that just uh, uh, receiving the seed didn't necessarily explain the, the, the nature of the life, the saving faith of the soil that receives it. Uh, as a proof of that, we hear that some soils believed for a while but then the temptations of the world and the cares of the world and the challenges of the world due to uh, these circumstances, it was such a shallow uh, type of uh, experience of faith uh, that it didn't uh, persist over a lifetime, and uh, we are... Uh, warned uh, that just a an initial experience of uh, you know receiving the seed is not necessarily the proof of our salvation it's the vitality and the fruitfulness by their fruit you shall know them said Jesus. Uh, then the second point that enables us to uh, confront the concept that growth is optional is that there are Uh, incidents in the Bible where uh, where we are taught that some people pretended uh, to experience a genuine faith but they were actually mm, considered wicked by Jesus. Uh, Jesus mentions in Matthew chapter 7 that some people will come to him and say, you know, uh, haven't we casted out demons? Haven't we prophesied? Haven't we uh, actually accomplished, uh, you know, some miraculous works in your name? And he would say, depart from me, you evil ones or wicked ones or evildoers. So there there, there, there is uh, undisputably times where people pretend to have received Jesus. But the truth is, if they don't grow in the life of Jesus, uh, there is... Potentially a question mark surrounding their experience, their initial experience of salvation. Was it actually genuine or was it like Judas who was considered one of the 12 that he fooled everyone uh, but after three years he was discovered to be fake? Then the third concept that we learn about throughout the New Testament is the persistence of our walk with Jesus, our growth in our intimacy with Him, in our life of godliness, in our interactions with believers, in our influence in the world, our persistence and perseverance in that type of life that actually matters most. You know, we, we see um, people that claim uh, that they were part of Christ's family, but as it tells us in 1 John 2:19, they, w- they did not remain with us because they were not from us. They didn't belong to us from the start. It was the continuation of the walk with Jesus that proved whether their faith was genuine. You see, we are absolutely saved by faith, but what type of faith saves us? It's genuine faith that saves us, a, a faith that actually exercises itself in love, a faith that works out the, and, uh, w- what God has deposited on the inside We express it on the outside. That's how we discover genuine faith. We are not saved by faith. We are saved by genuine faith. And that genuine faith reveals itself in the way it works. So friends, I hope that you understand as Jesus said that those who persevere to the end, those who live out that type of lifestyle prove the genuineness of their faith. And as a result, we come to ask ourselves what type of evidence proved to us uh, that we have truly accepted Jesus, not just made an emotional decision, not just pretended that we are walking with God, and it is evidence of Growth. You see, uh, throughout the scripture, we find books, not just a little passage here and there, that say that our life with God, our fruitful life for Jesus, our Christ like lives, demonstrates the reality of our inner life. And I want to just speak on one of the books in the scripture and that's the letter of 1 John where he uh, helps his people articulate some evidence that relate to their beliefs and behavior, faith and love. That actually helps them understand and be assured that they truly have accepted the Messiah, that they truly have received Christ, that they truly have accepted eternal life. So he does a few contrasts, many contrasts. This is like a Jewish homily. uh, The first book of John doesn't have a huge amount of uh, structure as much as repeated ideas and contrasts, such as the contrast between Christ versus the Antichrist, light versus darkness, uh, uh, truth versus falsehood, love uh, to God and love to others or love to others and hate it just expresses in contrast the reality that there are some evidence of people that are truly are walking with God and those who claim to be that's why you look throughout the book and he says those who claim to be and then he gives us evidence whether they are from the truth or whether they are false or falsehood those who have carried on the tradition and have been swayed and deceived by uh, uh, false teachers. And uh, I'd like to share with you just four of those uh, declarations or those evidence that John shares with us to help us understand that life with Jesus is a continual growth in sanctification where our beliefs and our behaviors begin to exhibit the DNA that we received when we received Jesus. And the first one, he, the first evidence that we can look at is that those people who have truly accepted Jesus, they would be known by living in the light. Their ongoing life in the light, look at what he says in First John chapter one. He says, and verses six to ten, he says, if we claim to have fellowship with him, you see, the claim—it's its like we, if we say that we truly have fellowship with Christ, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie, and do not live out the truth. Can you see that? Can you see that just because we say something, it doesn't actually. Prove that it's true unless it's lived out. If we claim, we could claim anything, but we might be lying. It says, but if we walk in the light, can you see the premise? Can you see the condition? If we walk in the light as he, that is Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Again, if we claim to be without sin, What John is teaching is uh, people, that churches, probably, we don't know 100% who are the audience, but probably the churches in, in Asia Minor much similar to the churches that he wrote to or Jesus actually wrote to in in uh, in Revelation 2 and 3 the the churches that John was overseeing that caring for as the last apostle and carer of those churches he says to them just be careful that your life how you abide in the light how you your attitude towards sin will prove whether, you are, whether your claim is truthful or false. He's saying that our relationship with sin is discovered through two ways. Number one, that there is hate of sin. And number two, uh, there is complete and utter dependence on the blood of Jesus to forgive us of our sins. So how could he say that we can't be living uh, in sin, but he's saying, You know, you lie if you think that you don't have any sin. Well, the reality here is the differentiation between attitude or a lifestyle and behavior. Our lifestyle is one that rejects sin, hates sin. Because those who are walking in the light, they have a transparency. They have hatred to darkness. Okay, and that, that's a lifestyle. That's why, again, in First John 3, it says, No one who lives in Him keeps on sinning. Keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen Him or known Him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as He is righteous. That is Jesus. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Over and over and over again, he describes the idea of a lifestyle, an attitude of sin. So what is Uh, John's saying here, please hear me correctly. He's not saying that we become without sin because he just mentioned in, in chapter one that if you pretend or if you claim that you're without sin, you're also lying. What I think John is saying is this, if you have received Jesus, if you have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, you do not want to continue on living the same lifestyle of sin that you lived beforehand. So there is a change in the way you live your life. Often the change isn't automatic it's not once for all like you receive Jesus and all of the sudden you let go of every habit every sinful motive every sinful thought no it's not like that but it's growth in sanctification it's growth in life of holiness it's growth in resisting sin all the time like the scripture says that you have not rejected or resisted sin until bloodshed that means you're absolutely unwilling to live and continue living a sinful life, you see, that flies in the face of people who say, you know, now that we've been, uh, you know, saved by grace, we can live whichever way because Jesus died for us; He forgive forgiven us all our sins. So, come on, relax. It's not like that in the Scripture. The the scripture makes the evidence very clear that we cannot continue on living the same lifestyle of being self-centered and selfish and attracted to sinful habits and attitudes and motivations. No, we need to grow to depart from that surely gradually, but definitely as a lifestyle of saying, no, I do not want to continue a life of sin. But then the second part of it is that John acknowledges in chapter 1 and again in chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 that we will make mistakes and we will fall into variety of different traps that the enemy sets before us and he says don't worry the reality is if you truly are resisting sin if you truly your heart is not to lead a life of sin when you fall we have an advocate with the father He's." His blood. He died for every single one of us as a sin offering so that when we come and confess our sins, He will do two things. He will forgive us and we all agree to that. But you know the second thing He does? He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. Can you see that God desires for us to live in the light and to grow in that aspect. The second thing that John teaches us, the second evidence is that we live in obedience. God's people who have accepted Jesus live in obedience to God's desires because he is their dad. Look at what he says in 1 John 2, 3 to 6 and verse 29. He says, we know we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Notice the word if, Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live. As Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. If you know that he is righteous, which he is, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. You see, the second thing that the scripture makes clear if you have received Jesus, you're going to grow to become like him. Whoever claims to live, In him that is you have a unity with the son of God you must live like him you must imitate his way that's exactly what the obedience of the new testament is all about the obedience of the new testament is not obligation to set a rules and regulations as if God is the fun police no Obedience is looking at what God desires and from the inside out because He already wrote the laws in our hearts by allowing the DNA of Jesus to be on the inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We now joyfully obey God just like Jesus in John 15 says that I obeyed His His command. And abide in His love. And there is a genuine joy, uh, joyfulness about abiding in the will of God. You see, the reality of the New Testament is I grow and grow in becoming more like Jesus and the way He did life and uh, and and lived by the timetable of His Father and lived by the standards of His Father and lived to please the heart of His Father. So if 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 through sanctification we depart negatively from being manipulated and and surrendered and defeated by sin. On a positive way, we become more and more like Jesus, fulfilling and pleasing and abiding by the standards of our Heavenly Father because we know that's the best life possible. The third thing that I want to share uh, briefly with you, the third evidence is the evidence of living in love. Look at what John says, anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Look, this is how you discover someone that has Uh, translated from from living in darkness to living in light, from the darkness of the wicked one to the light of the sun uh, 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 of his love. That is Jesus. He says, anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. We know. We have passed from death to life. That is spiritual life. That is you've been saved. That means you have come to eternal life. That means you received the life of Jesus on the inside. How do we know that, John? It says we've passed from death to life because we love each other and he talks about that in John 2 and 1 John chapter 2 1 John chapter 3 in fact he mentions it again in chapter 4 there is evidence of growing in love Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 he says i know that you love one another but hey grow in that more and more. Uh, 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 the, The evidence of being a person that has received the life of Jesus is to grow to be more like Jesus in our relationship with other believers, to grow in practical love for one another. Yes, it doesn't take a day, but we grow over time and the signs of our growth clarify that we've passed from death to life. The next one is, the next evidence is living in victory. People who have accepted Jesus, they don't live a defeated life. Look at what John says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Can you see our beliefs impact our behaviors if we declare Jesus to be the true Son of God, contrary to the uh, you know, difficult uh, you know, doctrines of the false teachers in, in the day of, of John the Apostle, he's saying if you truly believe that He's the Son of God, that He's truly God and uh, truly, fully God, fully man. That should implicate the way your relationship, your attitude towards the world. What is the world in that? In the same epistle, chapter 2, He explains to us what is the world. Do not love the world, the system of the world, or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Love for the Father is, Is not in them. Can you see how you differentiate someone that have truly accepted the love of God through the Son Jesus Christ by the deposit of the love that comes from the Holy Spirit? You know, we have a reverse relationship between loving the Father and loving the world. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes from comes not from the father but from the world 1 john chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, you see four different indicators, four different evidence of somebody that is growing in their relationship with God, not just in their knowledge of the faith, but in their life, not just in the doctrine, but in their duty, not just in their beliefs, but in their behavior. Can you see the growth in our lives is actually what John uses as evidence of our assurance that we have truly moved from death to life, that we truly are regenerated by the Spirit, that truly we are who we claim to be, a children of God. You see, the reality is this, growth towards Christ-likeness is the evidence of genuine faith. Everybody can claim that they have faith in Jesus, but growth towards Christ's likeness is the evidence of genuine faith. And we are not saved by faith. We are saved by genuine faith. And as the parable describes to us in the parable of the sower, vitality, not merely germination, is the sign of of the living seed a living seed that is being received produces fruit 30 60 and 100 fold but it does produce fruit over time i pray friends that through this quick exploration of the scripture that you feel the conviction of the Spirit that truly when we are genuine in our faith, you will notice that we're growing in our conduct. When when we're living for Jesus wholeheartedly, our attitude towards sin changes, our attitude towards the Father changes. It changes. Our attitude towards believers, it changes. Our attitude towards non-believers and the system of the world, it changes. And that is exactly why our hearts and our prayer that we would all wholeheartedly support one another to grow in becoming more like Jesus. That is true discipleship. Thank you for watching. God bless you. See you next time.